Hi, I'm Michaela Bloomfield, and this is the Fashion League Podcast. Vogue France held its fourth edition of the Vogue Experience this past spring, and that event is where I met our delightful podcast guest. Having moved to Paris relatively recently, I decided to give this event a shot, even though I had sworn off attending these sorts of events a while ago for various reasons. Thankfully, my pessimistic outlook was doused in a good time. In addition to meeting our awesome podcast guest, I ran into Pierre Impelle, who was walking around the event in stealth mode to take notes for his own event at GQ. Pierre is the head of editorial content at GQ France, by the way. When I arrived at the Vogue experience, I scanned across the bi-level event space and saw makeup stations, photo booths, several rooms where they were having masterclass sessions. But my very first stop was at the booth for La Vallée Village. While I was struggling to communicate with the French woman manning this booth, a young lady with a British accent kindly chimed in that she could explain everything to the American dunce. That's not what she said. Obviously, she's very lovely. She would never. But after chatting her up, I discovered that this very elegant young lady was a high school student named Clémence. Clémence is headed off to college this fall. She got accepted into one of her top two choices of schools, at the Vogue Experience event, Clemence told me about her interest in journalism and that she's actually French, like French-born to French parents. On the podcast, we had a really great conversation and her British accent is pure perfection or performance art, as she called it. So you should listen to the episode just for that, honestly. Speaking of the Brits, London Fashion Week is scheduled to start on Friday, September 16th and it ends on Tuesday, September 20th. Since Queen Elizabeth passed away at the age of 96 on Thursday, the British Fashion Council announced that brands should proceed with their scheduled shows. However, non-core business events such as store openings and parties should be postponed or canceled. For retail stores, the British Fashion Council recommended an immediate 24-hour closure and also black armbands for the in-store staff and closure on the day of the funeral, which is on a date that will be announced later. Burberry and Raph Simmons have already officially called off their runway shows and British retailers, including Selfridges and Liberty closed their doors on Friday, September 9th, and this was in order to commemorate the Queen's passing. So I'm recording this the day after the Queen's passing, so we may continue to hear about more designers canceling their shows. But what happened to the show must go on. It's September, so that means back to school, back to the office, and back to your regularly scheduled Zoom meetings. September is a season for wardrobe refresh and a few fall weddings. But instead of buying something new, try Rent the Runway. 
Use our promo code RTR Fashion League to get 40% off your first two months of a Rent the Runway membership, either a 8, 12, or 16 item membership. Get access to thousands of designer brands with your Rent the Runway membership. Plus, it's super convenient. You just wear it, return it, and Rent the Runway handles all the dry cleaning. And you help reduce clothing waste. That's promo code RTR Fashion League to get 40% off your first two months of Rent the Runway. Hi, Clemence. Hi, Michaela. It's so lovely to speak to you again. <laughs> oh my goodness. Where am I speaking to you now? I'm in my quote-unquote office. It's basically where all the brothers' room that we put a desk in. So basically <laughs> calling for my bedroom, if we're being really honest. Oh my goodness. I meant, are you home? Or are you at yeah. school? <laughs> but yes, we love, um, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely at home. School has been out for about a week and a half. Well, mm-hmm. I haven't been to class in a month, but I've just been having exams. So yeah, at home and waiting for results. Okay. Oh, waiting for, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're wonderful, good. Or, Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time I saw you was at the Vogue experience. And I yeah. I wanted to get you on the podcast because I had so many questions as to, well, I wasn't planning to go to this event and it was just mm-hmm. like, yeah. okay, just go and see because I just moved to Paris I was like you have to do stuff to see what this place is about but I was curious what made you decide that you wanted to go to this Vogue experience and you said hmm I would love to shell out 45 euro to attend this event (laughs) (laughs) and I did and I did because they really marketed the meeting Vogue editors and writers part which wasn't even the biggest part of the event really but that's why I wanted to go I didn't really care about the brands or the the conferences were interesting but it's not the main reason I went I really wanted to meet um, editors and writers which I did and it was great Um, but yeah that's why I went and it's also why I stayed because I did not expect it to be like that um, because it was I think it was quite a nice environment and it was quite cozy and everyone was really nice and I really enjoyed myself being there so I stayed, but also because it was there was such a variety of people there, of like people from different interests in fashion or different jobs in fashion. And that's not something I really thought about before going. I mean, like not in the context of that event, at least. And just introduce yourself really quickly. Like, what is your background? You're in university, we kind of mentioned briefly. Okay, so I'm not yet in university. Um, I'll be in university by September, which is why results are quite important. (laughs) Because hopefully I'll be going to university is basically the thing. So you're a high school student. I remember you briefly saying you had like a interesting, I'm doing something related to university. I don't know how the school system works here, obviously. (laughs) I'm doing um, a sort of dual high school degree. Basically, I'm in an international high school. So I'm in the British section of an international high school and we're doing equivalents to high school diplomas in the countries of our section. So in mine, we're doing equivalence to A-level. Basically, we're doing kind of the same workload as two A-levels in history and one in language and literature. On top of that, we're doing the full coursework and workload of the French baccalaureate, but we do have a distinctive high school degree compared to normal, said without, you know, ill intent, um, normal high school students in France. So that's what I've been doing for the past three years. Um, Before that, I was in um, regular French schooling, except for three years between when I was eight to when I was 11. 
um, because I was living in Ivory Coast at the time. So I went to a French school in Ivory Coast. And next year, I've applied to history and social sciences courses in the UK. So that's why I'm waiting for results because offers are conditional. And so I'm waiting to find out what marks I've gotten. And so which one of my two um, choices for university I've gotten in. And otherwise, if I don't, well, I think I will. I just don't really know which one yet. I'll be going to Sciences Po, which is um, actually the school that Christian Dior went to, which is extremely funny because it's a political science school, which kind of shows that you can get into fashion by doing a lot of things. But yeah. mm-hmm. And the two universities that you're hoping to get into, like why did you choose those? What are their programs? You mentioned Christian Dior attended one of the schools you're interested in, but could yeah. you talk more about your school selection? Um, I've always really wanted to go abroad for my studies. And and when you say abroad, where are you from? Because that was another interesting yeah. part of why to talk to you. I was like, who is this British accent young lady <laughs> speaking French? So I was I when I came into the event, I was obviously struggling as an American who barely speaks any French. And you're like, oh, I can help you in your beautiful British accent. And I'm like, excuse me, I can help myself. <laughs> but <go ahead. laughs> so it's something I tell my friends quite often because I'm fully French. So the British accent is kind of performance art, basically, because when I got there, like when I got to the school in Segonde, everyone was speaking in like these really beautiful like English Northern Irish accents and I really I didn't you know Um, my accent came from watching American shows on Netflix so obviously the British school wasn't really going to cut it but I was in a special quote-unquote special program for the first year because when we do second which is our first year of high school British students would be doing year 11, which is the second year in their GCSEs, but it's a two-year course. So if you weren't there for the year before, you can't do GCSEs. So people who were French like me and who had learned English in other ways than living in British, well, English-speaking countries, were in that program where we did um, second year 11 without doing the GCSEs program. Which is a really great outreach program, by the way, because that level of education and open window on the world and on other opportunities, I wouldn't have had if there hadn't been that program. The The accent definitely wasn't natural and it came from speaking with British people and listening to teachers and sort of changing what where I was getting my English content from as well, because a lot of and I say this as someone who's learned English as a second language a lot of resources and material and stuff that people tell you to do is American English not British English so I kind of switched but yeah fully French I think that's so fascinating you're thank I, you I, I hope, hopefully when I return to America everyone will be like what is this girl with an yeah with accent <laughs> sure you will anyway. <laughs> sure So would you describe yourself as a studious person? Yeah, definitely. I'm someone who really enjoys studying because not always, not the grunt work of it, but I'm someone who loves to find ways to learn. And in a sense, that's because I think I'm quite, I think I'm organized. And so that's a good way to be a studious person because whatever you do, whether it's actual studying or if it's learning a skill or being organized is always going to help you. And so finding ways to make myself organized makes me like doing things, and learning new things, whatever that is. For example, um, a few years ago, and it's embarrassing to look back on, but I had a um, YouTube channel face, right? 
And to have a YouTube channel face, you need to have and learn to edit a YouTube video face, which is harder than the getting into YouTube part, by the way. But that's something I really enjoy doing because it's something that I think you need to be a little bit studious at to get to a good level because it's not it doesn't come easily. And I mean, it's probably a bad example because I don't have the YouTube channel anymore, but I enjoy doing it and I enjoy things where you have to be organized and it's, it has to be followed a certain way. I didn't have a YouTube phase, but <laughs> apparently I had a podcast phase that yeah. I'm still doing. <laughs> so I want to know, what was the last book you read? I'm currently reading French literature oh. and it's really difficult <laughs> for me. What are you reading? <laughs> right now I'm reading... Good Night Moon in French. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a toddler yeah. book. So, yes. Yeah. But I have a book that I found outside just on a bench. It's about, well, the book is called My Life in the Desert, but in oh, French. Whatever. And it's just this woman who talks about her travels. And obviously I'm still picking up vocabulary. So I'm just reading this book, learning new words and going into Google Translate. So that's me. But let's go back to you and what you're reading. Um, The last book, I haven't fully finished it. So I'm cheating a little bit. But the last book I was reading was My Body um, by Emily Ratajkowski. I hope I pronounced that right. But it's it's really good. She has a really good stylistic voice, I would say. It was. It's a really interesting read, but it's also really hard because she talks about a lot of, she talks about control over her image a lot. And she talks about men who tried stealing that image from her. One of the, I think, moments from the book that she put, well, that was published in, I want to say um, the Times, I'm not really not sure, don't quote me on that, um, or the New York Magazine or something, was a bit about how there was this man who made sort of life-size posters of Instagram posts by mo- by models. And one of them was a picture of her and she couldn't even get it. She couldn't even buy it for herself. And her boyfriend tried to buy it and she got it back eventually. And it's, I think, currently in her home. But it was kind of the whole fight over reclaiming her image. And that comes with a lot of, there's a lot of moments where she's been abused, where it'd be financially in that sense or emotionally or even physically by men who wanted control over not her as a person well her as a person but mostly through her as an image of something that they wanted and an idea as well and that's quite a harrowing read so I couldn't finish it but I'm currently reading a book in French um has been sitting on my shelf for like the past three years which is called Le Silence de la Mer and I think this translation in English is basically the same like Silence of the Sea it's a novel from the Second World War the story is it's a man talking about when a German soldier came to live in his house with him and his niece because it's a man living with his niece I haven't gone into the part where they explain why there's nobody else in the family but hopefully I will (laughs) And it's the story of this, well, him adapting to this young, quite beautiful German man coming into their house who's equally as cultured as they are and seems equally as human in a sense as they are. And it's really hard to accept for both of them. And obviously it's different to accept for the girl than the old man because 
she looks at the soldier in a different way and there's disgust but there's also a form of fascination between all of them and it's really interesting and it's a book that um, I've had for three years because it was um, recommended by my French teacher when I was finishing middle school so I bought it then and I hadn't read it until now. Do you read multiple books at a time? I thought that was just a problem that I had. (laughs) Well I don't read as much as I used to which I'm hoping to sort of fix by having more free time this summer but I, I do sometimes, like I do a lot of times, but I'm, I couldn't read like five books at the same time, reading two pages of each a day. I couldn't do more than three, I think. I know we just did a would you describe mm-hmm. yourself question already, but would you describe yourself as a more creative person or more analytical? I think it's so, I think it's okay to be both because being sort of someone who's, you know, achieved, well, who's been quote unquote, I don't really like that word, but high achieving in school and there's sort of a box I feel that you can't be everything but it's okay to be a little bit of everything I like to think that I'm a creative person and for example there's one of my friends she's really good at painting right every time she gives me a gift it comes with a little painting and it's adorable and I love it and they're all in my room I couldn't do that but I have two paintings in my room and I'm really proud of them even though they're not like museum quality I like doing creative things I struggled with when I was well I still do but it's hard to do things without getting good at them. And it's hard to do things without thinking, okay, I need to get good at this. So I need to practice this every day until I'm good. It's okay to do creative things just to enjoy them. So I'm trying to be, to lean more into that creative side. But yeah, I like to think that I'm a creative person. The doing things just for the sake of doing them or for your own enjoyment. When did you realize that was something that was possible? Like I know a lot of people struggle with, I'm just doing, this because I love doing it. I don't need to turn this into a money-making scheme. I don't need to do this and be perfect at it. When did you feel like that was something? You're pretty wise to have figured that out so early. I mean, it's one thing to have figured it out in theory. It's another to actually put it in practice. But uh, I think it came only a few years ago because basically when I was 11, I started wanting to be a filmmaker. And if we'd met back then, I would have said, I want to be a filmmaker. And it's the only thing I ever want to do. At that age, I, you know, I think everyone has like that one moment where they see, for me, it's been movies, but they see something that really makes them think, okay, this art form is something that I'm always going to have, you know, really special connection to. For me, interestingly enough, it was a Christopher Nolan movie, which is about as basic as you can go. Was it Batman? I was 11. Was it The Dark Knight that changed your life? No, it was not Christian Bale. It was Dunkirk. (laughs) But no, it was Dunkirk. And after that, I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do, right? The funny thing about it is that I was someone who wanted to be a filmmaker without wanting to pick up a film camera. And that's something that really, you know, I, I had a lot of introspection about because I was fascinated with the medium and the technique and I didn't want to do it, which is a bit, which is really weird. But recently I've been more leaning into like taking videos of my friends going on days out with them and taking videos and pictures and putting together little home movies of sort but that's from my own enjoyment and it's from my own and that's something that I wouldn't have allowed myself to do before when I was so obsessed with the idea of what's a movie and how do you get to be someone who makes a movie even though back then I didn't really enjoy being someone who I mean I'm not saying my vacation videos are films but (laughs) the point is that I started to enjoy the technique more and the actual practical part of it 
when I wasn't thinking about turning it into something else. And before I was only thinking of turning it into a career. Have you ever heard of the 10,000 hours rule? Yeah. I feel like that's something that's ruined me and helped me. Whenever I try to explore something new or I try to get better at what I already know is something I'm interested in, I go back to the 10,000 hours rule, which is something I learned in Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, or Outliers Mm -hmm. is the book. And I read this book like around undergrad, but whenever you set yourself up to these expectations of whether it's like these business advice books or people on the internet, it's like, (laughs) I just want to do things for my personal enjoyment. And I'm still trying to break away from the 10,000 hours rule. I think that's also my issue with learning French right now. I am not good at it. So I don't want people to see me not being good at it. Actually about, you know, the, I don't want people to see me not be good at it. That's really important. And when I was, when I got to my first year of high school and I was around all of these people who were native speakers and obviously I wasn't and I felt like my accent was really, really bad. That's something that I felt a lot. You know, a lot of us were warned by teachers to actually go out there and talk to them because it was going to drive the wall between us and um, the native, the natives, if we didn't, it sounds like I'm ostracizing everyone, the British. Um, but if we didn't actually go out and talk to them, we weren't, we, first of all, we were never going to get a better accent, but also we were never going to get over the fear of the accent. And I mean, it, it was hard to sort of force myself to go out there, but I found things, I mean, like just about the anecdote, I found things within the school structure that helped me get out there without really thinking I was doing them to get out there. So I was enjoying myself and I was also making progress I didn't really see at the moment, which is good. I think it's cool to find things like that. For me, for example, it was a, um, a debate club, which has helped me loads. And yeah, it's just finding, I think, something that makes you maybe practice without really realizing you're practicing and without feeling like there's this massive stake that everyone's going to judge you for. Did you just tell me to join the debate club at my big age? <laughs> no! <laughs> I mean, if the shoe fits, if you want to do it, you know. (laughs) No, but I don't know. The thing about the debate club, I think, for high school students was that everyone was scared. You know, everyone was just really stressed before a debate. And so that unites people together. And then you realize they're all scared of something different that they think you're going to judge them for. So, you know, life is about finding your own debate club, basically. (laughs) I like that. Oh, my goodness. Look at the knowledge from the mouths of babes. (laughs) have to find your own I wanted to ask you about your phone use because I recently I've been putting my phone very far away from my bed so that when I wake up in the morning I don't touch it I've recently kind of quit Instagram and I'm like are there any or let's say what three apps do you use on your phone on like a daily basis Instagram (laughs) Pinterest I love Pinterest and the last one, I don't know, um, excluding stuff like Netflix because it's really bad to watch on your phone, yet I still do it. I would say probably YouTube because it's so, I mean, I can get lost in a recommendation thread on um, how different rides at, I don't know, Hollywood Studios or whatever it's called in Florida. Even though I've never been to America, I probably will not go to that theme park in 
in Florida and on top of everything I have big coastophobia and I just love that you know <laughs> so, yeah. I used to work at that theme park in no Florida. no way really I did I did oh my God. I was in an internship and oh. it was wild I did oh, so cool they call it operations internship or something like that and we got to use all the facilities as part of our part of our internship and you can like sign up to work hours in a theme park and I didn't get to do that experience because the day that I showed up I didn't order the uniform that you had to wear to work in the theme park this should be in the notes somewhere and I'm pretty sure I just didn't read it but no one warned me I really wanted to do it (laughs) I did not get to work it Part. I was going to ask you about the YouTube rabbit hole. Like how many, yeah. I feel like I could stay on YouTube for a while. That's why I try to avoid it. Cause I've been able to get yeah. my Instagram usage down to like 45 minutes a day, but YouTube, they, it's like designed to, well, all of the apps are designed to keep you there, but what sort of videos are you watching? Cause I end up on like the DIY home decor <laughs> DIY YouTube was a big part of my childhood I was making I didn't know how to sob I was making like plushies with old socks and I had polymer clay polymer clay YouTube videos were like an era of YouTube I don't know if that's a general thing for everyone but for me it was a big part of my childhood but currently I wasn't kidding about the roller coaster thing like I'm I'm really like I don't know why it fascinates me so much, but probably because I'm really scared that like half of these rides I would never get on. But I'm really interested in how they work and like how. Wait, what do you do when you go to a theme park if you're not getting on the roller coasters? I like the ambiance of it. (laughs) It's so bad because it's really expensive and all they do is like lure you into the shops. But I love it. Um, But I don't go often. Like I try to keep my sort of passion for it on digital rather than to actually go each time I'm interested in it honestly it's a really big part because I think it's really interesting how like this how they are designed to sort of make you forget about a lot of like forget about everything but the day you're spending and how they're designed to sort of make you buy other things especially for um like franchise parks like Disneyland or Hollywood one I'm getting the name wrong I think but Universal is what it's called right Disney World in Florida has a Hollywood Studios it used to be right yeah that's what I was mixing up with I was like maybe she's talking about that and she doesn't want to mention it so we're just not going to mention it (laughs) together and also I like book recommendation videos I'm interested in those because it's really interesting how recently I think books and specifically romance books have become so popular on the internet and how people talk about like for example Colin Hoover is extremely like famous on YouTube and TikTok for example among teens and like people around my age and I think it's interesting to see how those sort of momentums can be created but I don't always look at it and like through an analytical lens sometimes I'm just like okay I like those videos so we're going to do like a rapid fire. Have you seen this movie? Okay. Oh my God. Okay. okay. I'm just interested to know because these are some of the movies that I liked and I'm <laughs> very much older than you. So I want to see <laughs> the staying power of these films. Okay. Obviously. Have you seen The Devil Wears Prada? Of course. A classic. Ready to wear. 
No, I don't think so. We're not even going to talk about it. Funny face. Um, I've seen with... the first half of it, but I've never finished it. You, why didn't you finish it, young lady? Um, because <laughs> it was on TV and it was really late. Oh, it was on TV. Isn't it on Netflix? Didn't you just talk about Netflix? We're going to skip. Probably. Probably. <laughs> Promise um, I'll finish more it. Recent... <laughs> have you seen Corella with uh, Emma Stone? Em- Emma Stone. Yes, I have. Did you catch the Vivian Westwood sort of inspiration that they were throwing in there aren't you british yeah, you're british I, I adjacent. you're french yeah british. british adjacent i like that this isn't really a fashion film but i guess we can throw it in there because i like it have you seen mean girls i have of course the staying power of the internet <laughs> and breakfast at tiffany's yeah all right of course. <laughs> there are one more in there that i didn't have is annie hall no no. Well, I don't, you know, we should avoid the, yeah. you know, the director guy, but I really enjoyed Diane's outfits in that film. So here we go. She uh, inspired my ongoing blazer pantsuit <laughs> lifestyle. I swear there's like a picture of me 12 years old in like a working <laughs> woman's power suit. But um, so. Back to fashion things. Where do you get your like fashion beauty info from? Do you go to magazines or people who work at magazines or do you lean more towards internet people, influencers, creators, whatever? Um, I try to be really wary of influencers in general. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm perfect at it because I'm still, you know, the sort of center of the demographics they try to appeal to. So Take it with a grain of salt, because obviously I'm 16. But yeah, I try not to really listen to influencers. Well, not really sort of um, pay attention to them. But I get my info from... I, I read Vogue, obviously. But um, I also really like um, business of fashion. And I'm subscribed, so I get the news a lot. But I like, I like having both, because one is... Um, Vogue is more into the creative. Well, part of it is more about the creative side of fashion and BOF is really about you know it's what it says on the tin and I like having both insights. I also get a lot of inspiration I would say from shows and red carpets a lot. For example when there's the Cannes Film Festival it's always one of my favorite moments of the year to just look at everyone's outfits. Maybe it's a bit chauvinistic because you know if it was if I was living in Toronto and it was a Toronto Film Festival maybe I'd say the same thing but there's something about it that just really draws me in. And there's something about it that just feels a bit magical. And I really love it. But mostly I read print magazines. And I also, because I'm not subscribed to a lot. In you time, have magazine I, subscriptions at your young age. <laughs> this is very I interesting do. information. <laughs> I have three. I have Vogue and I have two for movies. One is called Première. And it's a lot about current news, like new movies coming out. I mean, it's good, but it's pretty entrance le- entry level into being interested in the critical side of you know looking at films. And then I'm also subscribed to something called Les Cahiers du Cinéma, which is, um, if there's any French people listening, they will know that it's basically really, really high criticism that I really don't get. So I've been subscribed to it for like three years and I probably understand like 20% of the references they're making to like Japanese filmmaking of the 1930s. I used to get 0%. So I'm feeling like I'm doing well, but really I, I read it, like I skim it. But I like having a, like each time I have sort of a balance between the sort of more general public thing and then the more industry specific voice. Do you have like a skincare routine? 
routine or are you still in this discovery phase for what will work for your skin? I think I'm still in the discovery phase because... Is there something you care about this early on or you just like washing your face? I mean, I've cared about it for like, as you say, the sort of, you know, health side of it, but it's not really something I'm super, really, really interested in. I'm not like always looking for new things to try or, I mean, it's not really a great way to go about it either, but I'm not looking into really always making my routine better. I think a lot of people would say it's crap, but I don't really know. A few years ago, I was still taking acne medicine and having my lotion for acne. So now that that's done, and now that my skin sort of has a life of its own, um, I'm just looking for ways to make myself, you know, have like a ritual more than have a specific routine that's really good. So I don't know if that's good. And I had a lot of skin problems growing up. So that's something really new to me. Having a ritual, what do you mean by having a ritual? So I do my skincare routine, for example, in the morning, I do it before I'm doing my makeup. And that's something that's new as well. I didn't do it a year and a half ago. Like I didn't put on makeup, except for like dance recitals and stuff like that. And now it's something I do mostly every day. And it's new. And I think I'm trying to go about it as a way to feel good about myself and my skin and my face and my body and whatever. Just It's not always for yourself, but I try to make the moment where I do it for me if I can't always make what I'm doing for me. You know, it's the, like the act of putting makeup on to go to high school when you're 16 is not something that internally really comes from yourself. I, I think it is for me, but it's it's hard to know. Like it's hard to know for sure being really critical of that. But I try to make the moment where I do it for me and enjoyable. And, you know, it's why I have a nice little vanity space in my room that I really like being at. And I try to make it enjoyable. When you wake up in the morning, what's the very first thing that you do? Like the first thing that you do when you open your eyes? Put on my glasses. (laughs) Uh, No, but the the very first thing that I do is take a cold shower. What? (laughs) I know. I know. But I, I love a cold shower in the morning and except when it's really, really, really cold because I get up at six in the morning. So when it's cold, I feel it. But the great parts of the year are when I can enjoy my cold shower and have a good day afterwards because it really does wake you up. Like I wish the people who said, oh, having a cold shower or like finishing your shower with cold water doesn't wakes you up. I wish they were wrong because a hot shower is nicer, but they are right. You know, you have to give it to them. <laughs> Mm, I will take your word for it. We are going to play a round of faux or fashion. Are you ready? Yeah, I think I'm going to be bad, but yeah. No, you're going to be amazing. So there's nothing Mm -hmm. at stake, so (laughs) you should be fine. Essentially, I'm going to read you or I'm going to tell you three fashion headlines, three fashion stories. And you're going to tell me whether each one is faux or fashion, true or false. Simple, easy peasy. Are you ready for your first question? Yes. (laughs) Vogue magazine, founded in 1892, is the world's oldest fashion magazine. Is that faux or fashion? I want to say faux, and I'm going to say it might be Vanity Fair, but I'm not sure. Well, don't say the second part because (laughs) you'll be correct. It's oh. faux. Okay. <laughs> but the oldest fashion magazine is actually Harper's Bazaar. Oh, and right. It, yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. The world's oldest fashion magazine is Harper's Bazaar, and it was founded in 1867. 
which is like 20 something years before. See, I'm going to give you that point. You, you said <laughs> extra information that we did not need for the question. Thank you. So. <laughs> so second question. This year's June cover of Cosmo magazine was designed by the world's smartest artificial intelligence spot. Is that faux or fashion? I'm going to say faux, probably because I hope it is. Why do you hope it is? What's wrong with an AI bot creating fashion magazines? Well, nothing wrong with it, but I don't know. I like traditional covers, like when it's real people making them. I think it's more interesting, but yeah, I don't know. Just give, give me the answer. Well, this one is fashion. This really oh, happened. Oh my God. I need to look it up because yeah. I haven't seen it. So a team of AI researchers worked with the Cosmo editors to create this cover. If you see it, it's like a astronaut. It looks like a lady astronaut, nice. but how do you even know that it's a lady astronaut? Because it's literally what an astronaut looks like in their suits. <laughs> <laughs> But they're like walking on the moon. So it's very of the times where we're having billionaires off to yeah. space. So <laughs> your final question. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Up to 40% of online purchases are bought with the intention of returning them. Is that faux or fashion? So knowingly, people would buy them knowing they were going to, like, okay, Um Worldwide, 40%. Hmm, that's a different... I'm going to say worldwide because it's my question. Okay, I'm going to say faux because that sounds, that sounds really high. I mean... It's oh, fashion. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the startups that I interviewed this year for Fashion League's mm-hmm. Startup of the Month, they included a research item from a company that looks into online e-commerce businesses and up to 40%. So it was between 30 and 40% okay. of purchases are bought with the intention of returning. So yes, wow, and the practice is called bracketing. So like retailers okay. understand this consumer behavior and they expect people to return a portion of the things they sell. What is worse, a lot of this stuff isn't put back on the shelves. It's just the landfill or incinerated. I'm probably part of it because I don't buy stuff with the intention of giving it well returning it but I never returned the things that I've bought and didn't fit me or like didn't you know I didn't like I'm really bad at it but also I've heard I don't know if it's a new thing but because obviously I don't I do it so little but um I've heard that some fast fashion stores are changing their policies and making it entirely so that you can only return clothes on site in the shops whereas before you could send them back but now they're only making it so that you can give them back in the shops. And so it's not really ever going back into the cycle. What happens when people return their online purchases, these retailers aren't equipped to handle the back end mm-hmm. of the returns. They end up in a warehouse where they're shipped off to be in a landfill or incinerated. They are not reselling most of this stuff. So I think it's, I know it's an inconvenience for consumers, but it's definitely better overall and from a sustainability mm-hmm. aspect. I mean, as long as they actually put them back in the cycle of putting clothes on the stands. Well, that is our floor fashion. Thank you for participating. It was very fun. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. You did? Okay. I'm glad you did. It was fun talking with you. All right. Talk to you later. If you're not subscribed to the Fashion League newsletter, you're missing out. Our email newsletter helps you prepare for your next career move. 
The newsletter has our job board, which features listings from some of your favorite brands and publishers. Plus, you can use our handy career guide to figure out which direction you'd like to take your career next. We also throw in some for fashion trivia, of course, and some other fun stuff, but you have to subscribe to the newsletter to discover for yourself. So you can head to the show notes. There's a link to sign up there or head over to www.fashionleague.io.